John 21, beginning at verse 18, this is God's holy and infallible word. This is Jesus speaking. I tell you the truth, Jesus speaking to Peter. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the brothers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? And this is the concluding two verses of the whole book. This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. That's God's word this morning. Excuse me. So, we've been making a, a pretty thorough study of the book of John together. We read the very last verses today, but there are some areas in John that we still have not done. So just looking ahead, we're going to be going back to the first 14 verses of this chapter in two weeks from now on Installation Sunday, June 1, when we install our new elders and deacons. And we haven't, if you've been noticing carefully, we haven't covered chapters 14 through 17 yet. And there's some rich, beautiful stuff there. So we're going to be circling back around to those chapters too in upcoming sermons and Sundays. We've seen that, that John is a book filled with a lot of deep truths. There's some rich theology there. But it also has a lot of clear, easy to quickly understand statements about who Jesus is and, and about our faith life. And, and that's why a lot of people recommend the Gospel of John to new believers for those very clear statements. We've got one of those again today in our reading. Follow me. That's what Jesus says. Follow me. We have that call elsewhere in Scripture, but we have it here again at the very end of John. And so this invitation comes to us again, and I think in in a unique way in these verses. We're picking up in chapter 21 just after Jesus had reinstated Simon Peter. Simon, the disciple who denied Jesus three times and who we saw earlier in the chapter, had gone back to his life of fishing because he felt he had blown it so badly that he was now useless to the Lord to be a fisher of men, as he was called. But Simon is restored and incredibly God still has a plan to use him in his mission. And this 
touching picture of Jesus and Peter, especially before we read it, it shows each one of us, no matter how badly we've fallen, because of the work of Jesus, we can be forgiven our sins too, and God can and will still use us as part of his mission. And the way the Gospel of John describes the mission of God is in that instruction to Peter, where he says, feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Take care of them. Nourish them. Of all the focuses the church could have, Jesus tells the man, Peter, who would set the course for the New Testament church, he says, feed my sheep. And the way we do that, of course, is with the word of God. And so God's word becomes the center of the church. And it's the center of the mission of the church. And it's our desire to have it that way here at Faith. We want people to experience God's transforming word. In our verses, Jesus and Peter continue this conversation that they've been having. Twice, Jesus says, follow me. And that's his call to you and me today too. You must follow me. What does it mean? What does it all involve? Well, first of all, the backdrop to this call is important. The backdrop, the background is that Jesus has set the course. He has set the course. We can't set the course. We've got to follow him. Remember when back a few chapters, Jesus was betrayed, he was arrested, he was put on trial. Remember how Peter tried to follow him then? He was going to be there for his Savior. He was going to be there for his friend. He was going to be beside him, right there with him in his suffering. How did that all turn out again? Well, not, not well. Peter fell. He did not stick with Jesus. And earlier, too, Jesus had asked all the disciples to stay awake in the garden for him to pray but they fell asleep. See, it turned out that there was a road that Jesus needed to travel alone. No one else could do it for him. No one else could do it with him. Peter thought he could. He thought if he could just muster up enough strength and self-will and determination and courage, he could walk the road with Jesus, but he couldn't. See, no one else could walk the road of salvation, but our Savior Jesus. Only he could pay the price for our sins. Only he could bear God's wrath against sin. Peter had to learn to depend on Jesus' finished work. Peter had to discover that in his own strength, he was in big trouble. And and that's a place that each person must come to. The Bible tells us Jesus has set the course. He is the way, the truth, and the life. John wrote his gospel, he tells us, that we might know this Jesus and believe and be saved. The course he set, it's the way of life. He's our great leader. He's our pioneer. He blazed the trail of salvation. And after he blazed the trail, he calls us then, to follow him. He calls us to follow. He had told Peter before the cross, back 
chapter 13. Where I'm going, he's going to the cross. Where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Well, now was the time. And Peter couldn't follow in his own strength, but now he would be able to follow because Jesus went first and accomplished salvation for all of us who have failed on our own. Because Jesus paved the way, you and I can now follow. We can believe and be saved. And the invitation is for you today to follow. No matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what your background, what does this following look like? Philippians 1.29 says, it was given to us not only to believe, but also to suffer for him. And so those who follow Jesus also follow him in his suffering. And this is not something that we like to talk about. It's not a fun rah-rah type sermon theme. But it's what the Bible tells us. It's, it's something we're called to be prepared for. That's what verses 18 and 19 are about in our text. That's what verses 18 and 19 are about. Jesus says this strange thing in verse 18 when you were younger and then when you're older. And then he explains it in verse 19. He was indicating the type of death Peter would have. Peter would be martyred for the faith. And in church history tells us that Peter actually would be crucified. But he was crucified upside down at his request because he didn't think he was worthy to be crucified like his Savior. So suffering would be ahead in his following. Suffering would come along with his following. And when we talk about following, we think of you know, following the Blackhawks, following the Cubs, and even some strange people following the White Sox. But we make a mistake in connecting that, this following that we're very familiar with day by day, if, if connecting that type of following too closely with following Jesus. A guy by the name of Kyle Eidelman says this about following, or Jesus was never interested in having fans when he defines what kind of relationship he wants, enthusiastic admirer isn't an option. And he goes on, my concern is that many of our churches in America have gone from being sanctuaries to becoming stadiums. And every week all the fans come to the stadium where they cheer for Jesus, but they have no interest in truly following him. He goes on, the biggest threat to the church today is Fans who call themselves Christians, but who aren't really interested in following Christ. They want to be close enough to Jesus to get all the benefits, but not so close that it requires anything from them. And long before this guy, Thomas Akempis, wrote this, adding to our picture of following Jesus and what it entailed. Jesus has many who love his kingdom in heaven but few who bear his cross. He has many who desire comfort, but few who desire suffering. He finds many to share his feast, 
but few to share his fasting. All desire to rejoice with him, but few are willing to suffer for his sake. Many follow Jesus to the breaking of bread, but few to the drinking of the cup of his passion. Many admire his miracles, but few follow him in the humiliation of the cross. Peter died a martyr's death, a horrific death that I don't even want to stop to think about. And we think, well, well, that, that level of suffering, becoming a martyr, that, that's never going to happen to me. But who knows the way things are going. Things can switch and happen very, very quickly. And if not you, your loved ones who come after you, what about our kids or grandkids? Who knows? What is certain is that when we follow Jesus, we will endure suffering. And I firmly believe that everybody who follows Jesus does. There's an old saying, every house has its cross. And I believe it's true. The more I know about people and families, every house has its cross. And I think we got to keep that in mind today. The way of Jesus, the way of the cross, it's one of suffering for our Lord. And there are a lot of different forms that suffering can take, some of which aren't maybe obvious, but every bit is challenging. You know, with my, my brain surgery and my chemotherapy treatments, that was pretty obvious that that was a struggle. But, but there are Christians who suffer behind the scenes, too, in, with depression, a challenging marriage situation. That, that no one else knows about. Financial stress that no one else knows about. Loneliness that no one else knows about. A struggle with a child or, or a grandchild that no one or very few people know. There's, there's stuff that your brothers and sisters around you are going through that, that no one knows. But, but I want you to be encouraged today. Your suffering is a sign that you belong to Jesus. That you are following Jesus. Consider it a badge of honor. You're in the line of Job in the Old Testament and, and Peter and every single one of God's faithful. We follow Jesus by believing on him and we follow him by living for him and in our suffering too. We read in our text that in Peter's death, he would glorify God. Isn't that cool? What a concept glorifying God in our suffering. We give God glory when we respond to the invitation and believe when we come to faith. When we live for Jesus, we often talk about in our actions, in our lives, in our words, glorifying God. And it's our desire to do that. But we also glorify God in our sufferings, in our patient endurance, and dependence on God and waiting on Him and, and trusting in Him. Jesus sets the course. Jesus calls us to follow. And there's one more dimension to following Jesus in our text, and it's this. It's learning that each one of us has a unique journey in our following of Jesus. Each one of us has a unique journey. A funny thing happens in verse 20. No sooner does Jesus call Peter to follow him 
And did you notice what Peter did? He turns. John had kind of been in the background there. The disciple Jesus loved. John always calls himself that. So this is John. He turns and looks at the other disciple, John. And and we want to say, come on, Peter. (laughs) Jesus just forgave you. He restored you. He commissioned you. He invites you to follow him. And you look behind? You look to the side? Are you that dense? Following Jesus means keeping your eyes on him and not immediately looking elsewhere. We'd say all that, except it looks way too familiar in our own lives. Peter's like, Lord, what about him? And how often don't you and I say that or think it? God has given you the life you have, the home, the job, maybe not a job right now, the family, or maybe not a family. And we look at so-and-so, we like to compare, and in doing so, we take our eyes off of Jesus and say, Lord, well, what about him? What about her? How come they've got such a nice house? How come they get to go on all those vacations? How come they don't seem to have any trouble with their kids? And of course, you don't have any clue what someone else's life is really like. And Jesus says it doesn't really matter. The Lord tells Peter, let's say I've got a very different plan for John's future compared to yours. What is that to you? That's what he says. What is that to you, Peter? You must follow me. And Jesus says to us, who have responded to his invitation to follow him, now keep your eyes on me. Don't compare with others. Don't be concerned about someone else and what I'm doing or going to do in their life. Focus on your life. Focus on your path. As one pastor puts it, we can be quick-sighted abroad, but dim-sighted at home. Quick to judge and observe what we see going on in other people's eyes, but negligent to our own spiritual life. Mind your own business, Peter, and follow me. Our business is to follow the Lord for ourselves. In your following, Jesus tells you to stay focused on your life and the plans he has for you and and to be content with your plan, the plan he has for you. I mean, think about it. God is sovereign. He is loving. He loves his children. Whatever he has for you, it is the very best plan for you that there could be because God's in control of your life. So what's going on in your life is the very best thing that God has for you. We don't always understand how that could be the best thing for us. But I want you to know it's the case. His plan for you, because he's God, he's sovereign, he's loving, is the best plan for you. Sometimes you might look ahead to next week or next month or even the rest of today and and you wonder about his plan for you, or, or maybe you feel a little lost right now, but I believe this tells us too that he certainly does have a unique plan for your life too. I think especially of students and young people, graduates as his child, enjoy discovering and exploring what that plan is. Jesus has set the course. We're invited to follow him. We all have a unique journey. May God richly bless his people.
on their journey of following the Savior. May you be blessed today, each and every one of you, as you accept this invitation and as you keep your eyes on Jesus with his help. Amen.